The views and content expressed on the following program are provided solely for informational and entertainment purposes. They do not constitute legal advice. A podcast is not a substitute for retaining a competent, licensed attorney to advise you on your specific legal situation. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the show. It is time for Break the Business, where we empower indie creators and have some fun along the way. I'm Ryan Carella, and it is a pleasure to have you here this week. Let it not be said, viewers and listeners, faithful viewers and listeners of this program, that my love for you is anything short of limitless. Let me tell you how I can demonstrate my love for you. How much do I love you? Let me count the ways. There are not one, but two insanely, earth-shatteringly important South Florida sporting events going on right now. The Miami Heat, the Florida Panthers, as I record this, are currently playing to both clinch seats in their respective conference finals of their respective sports. It is one of the biggest South Florida sports evenings of my life. And where am I? In front of my television? At the stadium? No, I am recording Break the Business because nothing is more important than empowering indie creators like you. Not a Jimmy Butler fast break, not a Keith Kachuk wraparound goal. Nothing is more important. And boy, do we have a great show to bring you. And top on the list of why this show is great, of course, is the co-host we have this week. We always love it when Katie Zaccardi is here. Hi, Katie. Hello, hello, hello. It is a joy to see you as always, even though it might seem like my mind is uh, in multiple places because I am very much thinking about the outcomes of these games. Um, my focus is very much uh, here, and I'm really, really happy to see you. Although I did just check the score of the Heat game, and uh, to quote Jamie Tart from Ted Lasso, we we're playing like Pepe right now, <laughs> and we have to fix that. But uh, but I, I, I'm on the here and now. How have you been, Katie? I have been good. I have not been watching sports as much as you because I just don't care. And I wish I did, but I simply don't. But I'm doing I feel like it'd be a better existence. <laughs> you I, know, I, I, I like some sports, but like hockey is not one of them. Football is not one of them. Like I, I'm not invested in, any, in anything. I think maybe it's from growing up in New York. Like I'm a Yankees fan, but I'm, I, I'm not like a diehard of anything. But nothing else, I, I really never followed anything else. So what is the sport that gets you going more than any other sport? Is it baseball? You know, just, that's a really good question because I don't really think any of them like get me going, but I guess it would be baseball. I like tennis too. I think tennis is like interesting to watch because it's so fast-paced. So, mm. um, yeah, that's if what you're I would say. And I'm going to finalize that answer. If you're a tennis person, Katie Zagardi, we got to get you into the pickleball craze. I don't know if you have. Uh... I, yes. Oh, my gosh. People go crazy for pickleball down here, and I haven't played yet, and I really want to. I am nuts about it. I'm playing it this weekend. It, I am addicted to the game and because I used to play tennis growing up, and it turns out that like pickleball is, you know, all the things that, you know, you what do you love about tennis? Hitting a ball with a racket. What do you not love? Running. Pickleball it's gives you pickleball true. gives you everything you like and nothing you don't. Okay, I'm going to try it. I'm going to try it because I you think should. I will like it. That's your homework. Play some pickleball. Let us all know how it goes. In the meantime, boy, do we have ourselves a bit of a program this week, Katie Zaccardi. We got the AI Overlord tip of the week. It should be a pretty terrific one. We're going to talk a little bit more about the Ed Sheeran verdict. We got a verdict, and uh, for indie creators everywhere, I'd say it was a favorable verdict. Uh, Ed Sheeran and, by extension, songwriters won, so that's great. We got Shaylee Ankenbrook joining us in the second segment. She's the planner of the Music Tectonics Conference. She's going to talk to us all about that conference and the changing role of technology in the music industry. That's going to be pretty exciting. 
Uh, just lots of great stuff coming our way. It's going to be an absolute blast. And hopefully along the way, producer Lauren, if you want to just throw me a score for uh, a heat game or a Panthers game, uh, if they're good scores, uh, you know, would not be upset about that in the slightest, but I want to start the show off with the Ed Sheeran thing, Katie, because it has occupied this program for the last three weeks yeah, and with good reason. I think every time you get one of these watershed copyright cases, I get nervous because I know that an unfavorable ruling, a ruling where we give the old dinosaur copyright more power and more uh, victories over today's songwriters. And we say that stuff that really shouldn't be considered copyright infringement, like chord progressions becomes copyright infringement. That defendant doesn't just lose, but all songwriters lose future songwriters lose because you, you know, now you're always going to be afraid in the back of your mind when you write a song, <laughs> am I going to get sued for infringement? When you try to get an, an errors and omissions insurance policy, those policies become more expensive every time one of these cases come in. So I was heartened to see that on May 4th, a federal jury in New York found that Ed Sheeran, who was the latest uh, victim of these kind of copyright cases, was found not liable for copyright infringement a completely just ruling because the only similarity between the song he wrote thinking out loud and the song that uh, he was allegedly copying, let's get it on the Marvin Gaye classic uh, was a similar chord progression, but the melodies weren't similar. The lyrics weren't similar. The songs didn't really sound the same at all fundamentally. And had the jury ruled the other way, I think it would have really just sent uh, you know, ripple effects, negative ripple effects throughout the industry. So I was happy to hear this ruling. Have you been following this case? Very loosely. Like, I think I saw most of the reporting on it the day of the verdict, pretty much, or maybe even the day before, because I saw that he also like literally missed his grandmother's funeral to be oh. at the, I know, so sad oh, to be there God. because he was just so committed to fighting, uh, fighting this fight. So I didn't really see too much about it, but I I caught up a little bit at the end. Well, yeah, and all's well that ends well. I think you uh, yeah. got into the it case was, just was, in time. Yeah, Be because I I don't want to uh, I don't want to understate it when I say that a negative ruling in that case could have had a really chilling. Uh, can you all hear me? Okay, my headphones are getting a little choppy here. I just want to make sure you, you can hear me. Yes. Yep. All right. Cool. Yeah. The, the case could like I don't want to understate how much this case could have had a chilling effect on songwriters if it had went the other way. And in fact, yeah. I wasn't the only one who felt that way. The music community spoke out about this loud and clear. And one of the more recognizable voices on that side has been uh, Elizabeth Nelson, a singer songwriter for the D.C. punk band, The Paranoid Style, who uh, two days before the verdict wrote an editorial in The Washington Post titled the ed sheeran lawsuit is a threat to western civilization seriously suggesting that if we don't get the right ruling for ed sheeran if we find that this very old copyright is going to receive like a legal benefit over the current song being made today by ed sheeran it could have very bad effects for our culture and that was sort of the thesis of the argument and so i would imagine that elizabeth nelson is pretty happy with the verdict and how the case went down. But I think we should ask her about it. We actually have Elizabeth Nelson joining us here on Break the Business to give her some of the thoughts on this verdict. How are you, Elizabeth? I am great. How are you guys? You look great. <laughs> oh, I assume that's directed at you, Katie. That's uh, that's <laughs> <I'll stop. laughs> she just had her hair done. She looks fantastic. You do. You, you I'm both feeling myself. Feeling oh. myself. <laughs> we got precious little hair to do around here, but we, you know, we try to take care of what's left. <laughs> Um, so Elizabeth, I guess the first question to ask is, are you happy that Western civilization has lived for another day? I I'm thrilled. Uh, and, and I know that that headline perhaps seemed a bit extreme, but, um, I've got to be honest with you. I actually think that stifling creativity could really end Western civilization. Is it as dire as climate change? I don't know, I, but I'm going to go with, yeah, probably. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm absolutely thrilled. And, and what an unlikely hero we have in Ed Sheeran. Oh, Ryan, now your sound's not working. 
We entirely lost Ryan there, so I'm going to have to pop on and, uh, and take over while I split my attention between the sporting games and this game. Um, I think Ed Sheeran makes a great poster boy, as it were. Um, he's got a history of kind of mm -hmm. advocating for uh, the people who are just there to make music. You know, there's a lot of other fluff and f pomp and circumstance that happen around the industry. Um, but, you know, I assume you're agreeing with me because I see you nodding, even though our audience can't. But he's he's a strong believer in musicians and not like the fluff, I think. For sure. And I, I mean, I will just add to that, that he's one of the few artists who probably is capitalized enough that he could make this go away by just settling. And so the fact that he was willing to take time away from his grandma's funeral to, you know, go to New York and, and, you know, be a part of this trial for however long it was a few weeks, I want to say, and it was going on for years prior to that. Um, and that he really stood to that belief was, was really moving. Uh, I mean, and again, I don't really say this as the world's biggest Ed Sheeran fan or anything, but like, it was really surprising because he could have just been like, look, we'll just settle. Like I'll go back out on tour. I'll never play it again. Um, or whatever. And like, you know, he really advocated for himself and, and for other artists and up to and including saying, I'm going to quit music if this, you know, trial does not land in my favor. And I thought that was, again, a bold flex uh, from an artist who doesn't really need to do that. I, I think, you know, he has enough audience share and, and I mean, really doesn't have to say that I'm going to quit music because, you know, he could just, he could just settle, which is what happens a lot with these cases. Yeah. Um, and, and so I appreciate that he understood that were this not to go in his favor, it was going to set a really, really bad precedent for, for songwriters. And so I, I genuinely appreciated him fighting the good fight. And again, it's like weird, but wow, you know, Ed Sheeran's such a great guy. Um, because I don't think people really think that about him. I mean, I think they, you know, love him or hate him. You know, he's just sort of a tepid songwriter who, who makes, you know, very palatable music. Um, yeah. So, I, yeah, so I, I, yeah, absolutely, absolutely thrilled. And, and yeah, um, and, and good for him for, for, explaining what it is to make songs to, I think, um, an audience of, of, of peers and jurors who might not necessarily understand how songs are crafted. I thought, I felt that that was really, really useful. Yeah. All right. Am I back? You are back, right? <laughs> Lest anyone not you. think we're not live around here. Uh, well, I, I, I did hear we most were of that. Talking about how um, much not only the case, but admiring Ed Sheeran and how he handled it and how much he stood up for all musicians and himself. I didn't hear the he offered to step down piece that you just mentioned. Like that yeah. says a lot. Like this is the industry I believe in. And if I don't stand up for it, this isn't an industry I want to be a part of. And I'm like, yeah. I'd love to hear this through your perspective as a songwriter as well, Elizabeth. Um, how do cases like this affect your day to day? You know, when you see cases like the blurred lines case right. or what Ed Sheeran went through, does it make you think twice when writing a song? Does it make you think in the back of your head, does this song sound like something else that might have inspired me 20 years ago and now I could run into a lawsuit? I mean, do, do you kind of live in fear because of this? I think if the jury had decided that Sheeran was liable for plagiarism in this instance, it, it for sure would have affected my creative process. And I think that it would have been catastrophic for songwriters everywhere. I definitely think it would have had negative impacts on creativity. Now, you know, would Ed Townsend's family come after me if I used the one minor three, four, five progression that they were using? Probably not. I mean, we're not that popular, but it would nevertheless um, be a little bit stifling. And, and again, you know, it, I think at the end of the day, it's really, again, setting the precedent that certain fundamental building blocks of writing music would become somebody else's property. And that I would even have to consider like doing something that is so fundamental um, as just playing chords that sound right together. And because that's just basic music theory, um, is no longer on the table. Um, it would be it would be annoying at a minimum, but also like you know, yeah, sure. If like 
somehow my song got licensed for, you know, a Marvel movie or something. And I stood to make a little bit of money that I would be, you know, able to collect exactly zero of it, like would be really annoying. And so I might be like, well, I better not use this progression if I feel like the song's a real banger that's gonna, you know, transcend, you know, my, um, typical fan base or whatever, for sure. I'd be like, well, we better take that minor third out and make it, you know, something else. Um, yeah, for sure. And and I definitely think that, that, you know, again, these are just how songs are crafted. So yes, mm -hmm. I, I definitely think that it would, would certainly make me think twice before using that progression. Now for the musically un uninitiated, you're talking about progressions and chords. Mm -hmm. Why as a songwriter, would it be problematic if the law said that, for example, um, we're going to give one songwriter a monopoly over a chord progression. How would that get in the way of future creators being able to create stuff? What is it about chords that make them so special? Well, I mean, again, they're just the scaffolding upon which a song is built. So, I mean, you really can't, unless you're like Albert Eiler or something, put together a pop song um without using a few different constructions of chord progressions and what's fun about that is that you get to then embroider your own touches on it you can do different lyrics you can you know do a different tempo you can do a vastly different melody which you know again i it was so crazy with the ed sheeran thing because for me it felt like this like you know the the blue dress or the gold dress thing it was like some people were like oh my god they sound exactly the same do you not hear it i'm like i totally don't like i felt like his melody was completely different was it the same progression? No, it was very similar, but it was, you know, and, and it was, it was using a lot of the same chords. It used, I think the same three or something. And then he added an extra one that was totally different. Um, but I, I think that if, if, if we don't have chord progressions, like songs are not going to sound good. They are not going to sound good to our ear as we understand them as they've been developed over you know, millennia. I'm not talking about just the last hundred years. I mean, this is, you know, just basic music theory. In the there's Washington... A... Sorry, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say, there's also only a certain number of combinations you can possibly make with chords. I mean, you can get fancy, but like, yeah, you're you People will run out of combinations if you copyright them. Like, it, it, and who says that this person gets to own it? It just doesn't make any sense. In your Washington Post article, you had equated giving one songwriter a monopoly over a chord progression to giving one painter a monopoly over the color red. Right. And I thought that was pretty apt. Yeah. Uh, apparently so did Ed Sheeran because he said it in his post-trial statement. Wow. <laughs> okay, work. I know, right? I love uh, so that. Way to go, Ed Sheeran's legal team, reading the post <laughs> op-ed, maybe. Um, yeah, he, he equated it to, you know, somebody owning the color blue. So it's like, okay, oh. so, you know. See, he knew to change it up a little bit to avoid any legal action. Exactly. Like, I could have sued him for that. Like, I should have been like, bro, you know, you got to pay. Oh, uh, Elizabeth, thank you so much for sharing your perspective on this. I, I thought, you know, I saw your article in the post and then we got the verdict and I was like, great, perfect timing. Let's get her in here to sh have her share her, your insights on the verdict. That's fantastic. Uh, I, I know in addition to being a singer songwriter, you also write for a bunch of different publications. Before you go, could you tell us a little bit about where we can find some of your work? Totally. Yeah. Um, at the ringer.com at the Washington post, obviously, um, I write some book reviews for the wall street journal. I've got some nice music essays for the Oxford American. If, um, you like essays about rock and roll, um, and, uh, the New York times, New York times magazine. So, um, I'm kind of out there. So yeah, you know, and now you're on break the business. I'd like to think like just you just keep moving up to the next level. Really, you know. <laughs> know. The Ringer, New York Times, break the business. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I have arrived, and so I, I definitely appreciate it. And I, I'm so glad that you guys reached out. I think this is a really important issue, especially for your indie creators who are listening to this. Like, don't let other people tell you that you can't use certain chord progressions or certain beats or certain vibes. Like, this should all be public domain and I feel really strongly about it. So I appreciate you letting me come on here and, and talk a little Sheeran, uh, with you, with you both. It's, it's been so nice. And again, you guys look great. So, you know, for anybody not watching the video, <laughs> go watch the video. <laughs> Thank you so much, Elizabeth. Don't right. be a stranger. We'd love to talk to you again soon. Absolutely. Okay. And go heat.
Yes. Um, does she know how to suck up to the host or what? <laughs> my favorite kind of guests. Very, Unlike very me, cool. I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> that was awesome though. And Ryan, I'm really curious your thoughts because I know we've talked about a bunch of different cases. I mean, Olivia Rodrigo amongst many others. It feels like the Ed Sheeran thing was sort of like climatic in terms of cases building and then this sort of being like, okay, enough is enough. But do you think that this is going to slow down the amount of cases similar to this that we see? Or do you think that we're still going to have people who try with the same old, the vibes are the same, the chords are the same, yada, yada, yada. I like, you know, I'll like, I know Elizabeth's perspective is, you know, very much like since we got the jury ruling we want. So we, you know, we won and, and, you know, maybe we're going to see, uh, we're turning the corner on this. Yeah. I'm a little more pessimistic. Um, okay. you know, I look at this through a lawyer's perspective. And to me, the fact that this case even got past a motion to dismiss, got past summary judgment, the fact that it even got to a jury is already going to have a chilling effect on songwriters. Because the fact that a case like this could even get you successfully sued and get you all the way to a jury, that can scare a lot of songwriters. Because even if you're going to win with the jury, which is, by the way, not guaranteed, like copyright juries are the most unpredictable force in the universe. But litigation's expensive. If you get sued, there's depositions, there's trial prep, you know, litigators are very expensive. So even if you... Even the cost of taking a case all the way to a jury and having to defend it, even if you win and don't have to pay a verdict, you're still talking about five to six figures of legal fees. Right. And so that's already the chilling effect is already there, you know. And so, and and insurance companies know this, right? Because the 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 real way that songwriters protect themselves is you get an errors and omissions insurance policy, where an insurance company says if you get sued for copyright infringement. We will pay for your legal defense and pay your costs. If if it's more likely than not that you're going to get sued even and, and at least get it to a jury, an insurance company is going to see that as a higher risk, which means songwriters are paying higher premiums. And so once you've already gotten that far, I think songwriters are already losing. But we, what I hope to see is start to get some laws from appeals courts where we start saying that a case like this, where it's just a similar chord progression— that we're not even going to let it get to a jury. That on summary judgment, pre-trial motions, we're throwing this ridiculous case out. I think that's the only thing that saves songwriters. And whether that can be done judicially or whether we can see Congress step in and say, this is an, you know, enough is enough. We need to yeah. fix the copyright law for music. That's the real solution we need to see here. Okay, mic drop on that. I love it. <laughs> now... <laughs> But let's uh let's let's go to uh to happier matters by which I mean like <laughs> our, our most beloved segment here at Break the Business before we go to break our AI overlord tip of the week. For this week's tip of the week, in honor of the Miami Heat being in the conference semifinals, hopefully winning game five, although every time I check at the score, I get a little bit more, a little less <laughs> optimistic about that. Um, I thought for what we could do for uh, for our tip of the week is do a basketball announcer calling a Heat game, but within the broadcast, we would have ChatGPT throw in tips like that the broadcaster would bring in uh, as part of the broadcast. And we had Chad GPT, our AI overlord, write this for us. Okay. And, uh, you know, I think this is going to be terrible because turns out Chad GPT, not the best basketball announcer in the world, but <laughs> I'm going to read what it wrote verbatim and, okay. uh, and uh, see if we can get some crowd noise behind it here to kind of set a scene. Here we go. Get that set. Give it a second. <laughs> Can you hear that? Yeah. All right. 
We are back in the thick of it, basketball fans. The Miami Heat facing off against the New York Knicks here in Game 5 of the Eastern Conference Semifinals. Butler takes the inbound, dribbling down the court. He passes it to Adebayo. And speaking of passing, it's essential for indie creators to pass along their knowledge and collaborate with others in their field, sharing ideas and fostering growth together. All right, back to the game. Adebayo takes an 18-footer, and it's good. The Heat take the lead. Knicks' Julius Randle wastes no time charging back down the court. He shoots, but it's blocked by Robinson. Incredible defense. And speaking of defense, indie creators must always defend their work and maintain the integrity of their vision. Stand firm in your beliefs and never let naysayers deter you from your creative path. And our game is continuing with ferocity. Gabe Vincent scoops up the ball, approaching the top of the key. The crowd roaring with anticipation. Fakes left, goes right, facing the Knicks' double team and passes it to Lowry, who's open for a three-pointer. The shot is up and bam, it's in! Great assist by Vincent. Just like Vincent's moves, indie creators must learn to be flexible and adapt to the ever-changing landscape of their industry. Keep your eyes open for new trends and techniques that can elevate your work. This game's really heating up now. The crowd's energy is palpable. The Heat maintain their lead, but the Knicks aren't giving up easily. R.J. Barrett tries to break through the Heat's defense, but Miami's relentless pressure forces a turnover. Speaking of pressure, indie creators must learn to handle the pressures that come with their work, staying focused and true to their vision. Lowry now leading the fast break, stops on a dime to set up for another three-pointer. The tension mounting, and it's in! The Heat's lead grows even stronger, and speaking of growth, indie creators should always seek opportunities to learn and develop their skills. Just as Lowry's three-pointer contributes to the team's success, your continued growth will contribute to your own success in the creative world. Wow. There was like five more paragraphs. I figured I'd pull the plug on it early. <laughs> yeah. I think that was enough. It's so funny because I literally told you before we went live, you have such a good announcer voice, and I had no idea you were even going to do that. There you go. <laughs> Fun fact, ask Ryan if he's ever had to announce for a sporting event. Uh -oh, I was the, the story. Oh, no, I was the, I mean, I was the PA announcer for my high school basketball team. Nice. Um, although that's a different skill set because you're not like calling the game action. It's more just like basket by number 17 or whatever. Um, I <laughs> love so doing that. That was so much fun. You killed it. And I love the very seamless segues from basketball to indie creator tip. You oh yeah. I thought it was it so work. smooth. You couldn't even tell when I was doing it. You couldn't even tell. It was like, wait, is this part of the game or not? But wow. Every week, these AI overlord tips just get better and better. It's getting harder and harder to come up with ideas here. I want to reach out to the community on this. Anyone within the sound of our respective voices here, if you have any suggestions for what the AI overlord can do to help dispense tips of the week, we've done movie quotes, we've done Shakespearean plays, we've done tawdry romance novels, we're, we're running out of ideas here and we want to keep this segment going because you all love this stupid advice-giving robot that we have around here. And uh, you know people are digging it, so we need we need fresh ideas to keep it going. Though maybe we should ask ChatGPT to give us some ideas for the ChatGPT segment. That's a good idea. I mean, I'm still pro that Moulin Rouge episode. I think that was literally the funniest thing that funniest segment that I've ever been on on this show. That was so, a, a peak of the medium, I would say. Yes, but I'm looking forward to what it can come up with. You go, Chad. Give us something new. <laughs> Way to go, Chad. Way to go, Chad. Very, very good. All right, we are going to compose ourselves, take a break. I'm going to quickly check the score of the Heat game during the break and probably cry a little. And then we're going to be back with Shaylee Ankenbrook here on Break the Business. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Ryan Carella here. I hope you're enjoying the show, and I hope that you're getting a lot out of it. I do what I do because I care about creators like you. A lot. I've dedicated my career to helping creative professionals, entrepreneurs, and organizations move forward. I do it by hosting this program, and I'm also proud to do it in my legal practice. If you're a creative professional looking for solutions-oriented legal services to help you further your goals, I'd love to help. My firm RKPA does contracts, commercial law, copyright, trademark, and more. Visit rkpalaw.com to learn more. That's rkpalaw.com. Ryan A. Corella, PA, Miami, Florida.
Streaming services for Break the Business provided by L.E.K. Entertainment. L.E.K. Entertainment is a full-service entertainment company offering everything from consultations to full-scale events and productions, including audio and video productions, voiceovers, staged theatrical productions, script and music development, and streaming services. For more information, visit lekentertainment.com. L.E.K. Entertainment wants to help you bring your story to life. Thanks for supporting Break the Business. If you have a question or topic that you want us to discuss, email us at breakthebusiness at gmail.com. You can follow the host, that's me, on Twitter at Ryan K-A-I-R, and you can follow the show at The BTB Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the show on Twitch, YouTube, and Facebook, and on all major podcast platforms. And now, let's get back to the show. A texter writes in that our ChatGPT sports broadcaster was unrealistic because, and I quote, Duncan Robinson would never actually be able to block a shot. So that's why it was unrealistic. Not because of the, you know, the fact that our announcer is weaving in advice for the music industry people in the middle of a Miami Heat broadcast. No, it was unrealistic because somebody took issue with the fact that Chad GPT thinks that Duncan Robinson can block a shot. So there you go. Welcome back to Break the Business, everybody. Ryan Carella here with Katie Zaccardi. How are you, Katie? I'm doing great. I'm learning a lot about, I want to say, basketball. Yeah, nailed it. First try. Look at you. Um, no, I'm joking. I totally knew that from the very, very You got it. Look, you, look, here's the thing, Katie. All right. Our Sirius XM, Sirius XM home is one Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio, a primarily sports talk radio station. We got to blend in, all right? We are the, we're kind of the odd show out of the lineup. We are sandwiched in between two sports talk programs. We're just trying to fit in here. So, yeah. you know, let's, we, you know, we got to get a little sportsy every once in a while. That's I all I'm saying. I will I'm say I was about. mildly embarrassed when I found they were playing New York. But whatever, it's fine. I can't pretend I care if I don't. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, be true to yourself. It's what we want. And if you're not checking us out on SiriusXM 145, you can check us out on all major streaming and podcast platforms. Basically, wherever you can watch something or hear something, you can find Break the Business, and we are thrilled about that. Let's go ahead and bring out our guest this week. She is the award-winning planner of the Music Tectonics Conference. Now, in its fifth year... The acclaimed conference brings together music tech innovators from across all segments of the industry to explore the seismic shifts happening in the music business. The conference will run from October 24th to 26th in Santa Monica, California, and early bird tickets are on sale now at musictectonics.com. We are happy to welcome Shaylee Onkenbrook on to Break the Business. Hi, Shaylee. Hey, Ryan. How's it going? It's going great. Man, the mic quality. It's good. Watch out. Whoa. <laughs> Cool, cool. I love this is why I love working with the music tech people, Katie. They they don't f around. Woo. We have a whole podcast studio. It was just a little too late for me to be in there. I was like, I don't want to be alone with headphones on in a podcast studio. So I brought some equipment home. I mean, I've been doing that for wow. three years around here, and it's been just fine. <laughs> yeah, but, just fine. Yeah. but Katie keeps us company too. But yeah, you <laughs> like if we're gonna make our power rankings of like best audio quality. I think it's you and then uh, a couple of years ago we had on that. Eric Smith from RLX Audio and but only because he owned like an audio uh, production company and like made like uh, what do they call those like foam boards that go on mm -hmm. the walls or whatever. So he had some, you know, hardware and software yep. advantages, but you sound amazing. Great. I love to hear that. One, my my uh, CEO, he suggested he was like, just wear your headset. I was like, I'm not wearing my headset <laughs> on a live podcast this evening. Thank you for the suggestion. Yeah, who would wear their <laughs> headsets on I have a headset on, live but like it has like the mic. With like, the mic like, here? Yeah, yeah like call center, call like center type McGuire. of thing. Mm -hmm. But it, no, it's giving like Lizzie McGuire in Rome. You know what I mean? Yeah. If yeah. anybody yeah. Like, gets that reference, I love you. Britney uh -huh. Spears <laughs> live from Hawaii vibes. Just yeah. Very, yes. very cool. Yep. <laughs> now, I want to first, before we get into the conference, uh, Shaylee, I want to talk about something that was probably a moment you would describe as a not so cool moment for you, but you know it might endear us to you to uh, you know make show how down to earth you are. At last year's conference, you had uh, told us that 
you had a bit of a disaster in an elevator of a five-star hotel. Can you tell us a little bit about this? I did indeed. So this was after our second day of our event. We usually have a three-day event. Um, and our second day is kind of the most grueling. That's the day the panel is the exhibitor hall. So it had been a really long day. I missed dinner with my team. So I went to the bar, I ordered some food, and I got caught chatting with some attendees from the event. I sat there longer than anticipated, and I had ordered chicken noodle soup to go for my room. So I leave the bar finally, and I'm walking to the elevator, and I no sooner step into the elevator, and my chicken noodle soup just disintegrates the entire bag. Um, it was a cardboard cup and a cardboard bag. So it had just been sitting at the bar for so long um, that it seeped through all of the cardboard. Um, it was super silly. I ended up Uber eating Taco Bell. I like went up to the front desk. I was like, I'm so sorry. I just spilled chicken noodle soup in your elevator. Um, but they were very forgiving, you know, they were, they were cool. And I got to talk to a bunch of attendees. It was totally worth it. And the Taco Bell was phenomenal. So big Taco Bell gal. Were those attendees in the elevator with you when they They were uh, not? Nope. They they were still at the bar. Yeah. So I, I had to endure that alone and I was okay with that. (laughs) Oh, Oh, that's, I mean, cause like, yeah. And and the worst part of it, you know, I'm something of a chicken noodle soup aficionado over here. And yeah, it sounds, sounds like we're kindred spirits in this regard. I come to find that like the better the chicken soup is, you know, like the more rich it is, the more likely it's going to have the sort of quality that it will eat through, through the bottom bag. of a styrofoam mm-hmm. container like battery acid. Yeah. And it sounds like yeah. that's what happened to you here. So it, was it was the, the second th- night in a row I'd had it too. It was so good the first night. Oh. I was so looking forward to it. Um, I mostly felt bad that I spilled it in the elevator. I was going to ask you about that. What was the biggest tragedy in that moment? Was it like, oh, God, I embarrassed myself in this like really fancy hotel or, oh, I'm not going to get this soup because if it were me, it's going to be the latter. Yeah, Yeah, it was the soup. Um, They we can't go back to that venue this year because they're doing renovations on the hotel. And I originally because your soup, I was like, you made a real mess. You had to tear the whole elevator out because of it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right. Thank you for uh, for coming down to our level sure. here. Always um, down to humor. I know. Well, like you probably go on a bunch of conference, a bunch of podcasts where they just play it straight, and you know we're gonna make you do three minutes of soup talk before you get. I to listened the good stuff. to one of your podcasts today before this episode, the one with Janisha Jones, and Ooh, I was like, one. oh, it's fun, it's conversational. I don't have to be super pressed about anything. So, well, good. So yeah, you're you're familiar with our shenanigans. Mm-hmm. I do want to talk about the conference, though, because this does look really cool. And Santa Monica, particularly the Santa Monica Pier, one of my favorite mm-hmm. places. So I'm I'm excited to go into more about the conference. But let's talk about more about just the mission of the conference, because there's no shortage of music industry conferences. You can't swing a cat without hitting one. Uh, wouldn't swing uh, your cat, Katie. Don't worry. Um, I don't have a cat, so oh, you, you don't couldn't swing my cat. <laughs> now, but... But I think your your conference really does have kind of a cool, unique mission that's very forward thinking and kind of speaks to a lot of the topics that we've talked about here on Break the Business. Can you tell a little bit, tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So when it was originally founded, um, our CEO and founder, Dimitri Vitsa, he chose the L.A. Santa Monica location back in 2019 because he really saw an emergence of music and tech happening there. Snapchat had offices there. YouTube had offices there. UMG had offices there. Um, Just a bunch of the house name brands. If they didn't already have offices there, they were opening up offices there. So that's kind of why we picked that um, location as a hub. And then just kind of as the event as a whole, our goal is to reach kind of the entire macro system of the industry. Um, We want to focus on all the different parts that contribute to this now incredibly intricate music industry. And definitely another one of our missions is like the globalization of music tech. We've had a lot of um, like trade missions involved in the past two years. We've had COCA, which is a South Korean trade mission. They've been a sponsor and they've brought... Um, five startups over to just get really emerged in the tech. We've had Innovation Norway involved. So um, definitely those are some of kind of the bigger goals of the whole event. I can dig that. And then it seems like music tech is really just accelerating 
so heavily right as you're building up to this conference. Because like in the months preparing for this conference, we're having this AI revolution Mm -hmm. that is particularly hitting the music industry. And as a conference planner, I imagine that's just making your dance card a lot more full and is probably causing you to change some aspects of this conference on a daily basis. Um, can you tell us a little bit about just how like how fast tech is moving right now in particular Absolutely. and what it means for your conference going forward? Yeah, so it's really interesting you bring that up um, because last year, the really big hot topic was the metaverse. Um, it was NFTs, digital collectibles, all those buzzwords. And uh, we were really mindful to not oversaturate our event with those specific tech entities, whatever. And this year we are seeing the exact same thing happen, um, but with AI and with AI and music, um, which is really exciting. I definitely think that AI is going to be a little bit more sticky. Um, I think that it's a little more concrete. You know, there's been stuff back in our original, um, at our first kickoff conference in 2019, we did a blockchain cage match um that was just a little bit before its time and so i feel like now like it was just almost it like it wasn't we weren't quite ready for it um or the industry wasn't quite ready for it it was a little bit of like just hang on there wasn't a (laughs) time in interview school they taught me that Certain things warrant a follow-up. <laughs> like blockchain you, cage match. You can't yeah, just yeah. you can't just blockchain cage match me and keep it moving like you just said. Oh, the yeah, sky is blue. What it, the hell is a blockchain cage match? And why exactly am I not watching one right like. now? So we had we pinned the skeptics against the advocators, and we did make them wear costumes. They were on the <laughs> keynote stage. We had like Aventador masks and boa constrictors and crazy glasses. Um, we had like a guest pull out and it ended up being women against men Um, so it was definitely a very interesting conversation like I said I think it was a little bit before it's time before the industry was quite ready to talk about that Um, but it was definitely super fun and we've talked about doing something similar this year so did you build like a little cage set piece no, no we didn't do anything that fun we did have a referee though to moderate it we made our moderator wear like a referee jersey um we got really into it we definitely like to be like really fun outside the box conference with our venues with our topics with our activities hence the costumes i do want to talk about the venues because that is one of the cooler things that i've noticed about your conference because more normally when i think about a conference it's either all in one place like some massive convention center or it's all online And your conference bounces around. You Mm -hmm. have one day you're at the Santa Monica Pier, which, as I said before, one of the most magical places in the universe. Mm -hmm. So that's cool. Another day you're at the Annenberg Beach House. You have online offerings. What what inspired your conference to kind of want to jump around a little bit? So what originally happened? Well, in our first year in 2019, we had one venue. We were supposed to be at the Skirball Cultural Center, which is in LA and then there were fires there were wildfires and in less than 24 hours we had to relocate our entire conference in downtown LA it was a totally crazy experience we did end up being in the basement of a hotel um, and we were like that's not us 2020 and 2021 we had to pivot to virtual but in 2021 we wanted to do something hybrid so Dimitri uh, had the so a little bit of background on Dimitri Vitsa, who is our CEO and founder. He wears ridiculous, crazy pants every single day, <laughs> like the most ridiculous, like every single day, crazy patterns, like crazy colors. He's just a really fun, crazy, eccentric dude. So he wants the conference to represent crazy pants like our when when we were when we hire someone at our company, we tell them that our dress code is like business crazy. Um, <laughs> yeah. So that. so the the carousel just really we did a lot of research in the area and um, in 2021 when we were doing a hybrid event, we sat on the carousel and we thought, what do we have to lose? You know, we're doing all of our programming online. We're really just going to do one day of networking and meetups. So we did 2021 at the carousel and it was so fun. Um, we tried to get people to ride the carousel and not so many people read, wrote it. Um, but then this past year we did a way larger event there. We had demos on the inside of the carousel area from 
around 20 companies. We had all of our startup pitch competition semifinalists and finalists doing demos there. It was a little bit of a challenge to get um, electricity to that many tables um, because it's mm -hmm. an old historic building. Um, but just the fun vibe of like being on the beach is really like something we want to play on and like being at a an event where you can literally see the sunset over the ocean like I don't know in my opinion it does not get better than that so um that's like my tagline when I'm talking about the conference I'm like on the beach it's on the beach um so yeah so the carousel that's just a fun one we're doing our keynote there this next year or this year in 2023 so that should definitely be fun we're going to do another demo event there um, and then the Annenberg beach house, like I said, we couldn't go back to the Lowe's this year, not because of my chicken noodle soup, but because <laughs> they're doing renovations. Well, if um, you're going to do my jokes for me, why am I even, <laughs> you know, I can go watch the heat game right now. Uh, I was trying to get out with it. You beat me to it. I'm sorry. Um, so yeah, so we were kind of back at square one for a main day venue and, um, we had been to some events there in the past and I took a took a day trip out there to do some scoping out and it just felt really right for us. We're going to do our exhibitor hall around the pool deck. Um, we rented out like a guest house that's on the premises that we're going to call the innovation house. And we're going to have our sponsors leading demos and masterclasses and activations. Um, just like to be really experiential. We really want our attendees to kind of experience the tech that we're going to be just talking about, you know, Love it. Oh, producer Lauren, did I get a note from you that you have a picture of the blockchain cage match? Oh my gosh, that's so uh, crazy. Can we can we get this up real quick just so people can? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we're... so there's the crazy pants. He's the one with the microphone on the end. That's Dimitri Vitsa. That's our CEO and founder. Those pants are a little like less crazy than normal, but still crazy. They have like ships on them and stuff, like sailboats. <laughs> oh, the, wow. yeah. The the ladies side i think they really embrace the costuming a lot more yeah though. we tried to do costumes last year as well definitely we have people who embrace them and definitely some do not but that's that's fair all right well my kind of conference um the other thing that you you all do with your conference that i think is really neat is the hand that you extend to music tech startups you have a lot of programming and competitions that's specific for them uh, you're really prioritizing like early stage startups to help them get connections and to help them move their concepts forward. I think we got a lot of budding music tech entrepreneurs in the audience here. Can you tell a little bit more about some of the programming that you have for startups at this conference? Yeah, absolutely. Well, like we kind of talked about in the beginning, um, just this event, we really want to focus on the future of music and tech and the future of music and tech lies within these new startups. Um, so we definitely just want to, want to provide a space for them. And we also just want to provide them as much value as we can. So we do host monthly online events. Those are free. And those are something we do year, like monthly throughout the entire year for our network. Um, and most of the time, those are startup focused. Um, and then around the conference, like I mentioned earlier, we do a startup pitch competition. Um, instead of calling it like uh, being in a shark tank, we call it swimming with narwhals because we like to be fun and gentle and um, not like sharks, but like the unicorns of the sea. Narwhals um, are fun. Nobody's disputing that. Yeah. So we do a semifinal that's virtual. So the barrier to entry there is a lot lower. Um, the application fee is just buying a badge to the event. Um, and then we do our finalist pitch competition at the event. We always have a music tech investor panel and several investors involved with the event as a whole, which is something that's always super attractive to our startups. Um, and then this year and last year, we are partnering with Universal Music Group with their digital innovations team. And we're going to head over to their offices on the last day of our event, October 26th, to do some sort of startup boot camp. Um, last year... We had a talk from Tatiana Sirisano, who is a researcher and analyst at Media Research. We heard from a couple advisors and a couple investors. Um, and then we did some like quick open mic uh, pitches, just like one minute pitches where people got to just get the word out about what they're doing. Um, we're going to do something similar this year. We haven't really fleshed out who the speakers are going to be and all of that, but we've 
we've committed to partnering with them for some sort of startup boot camp again this year. So that's another thing that is always super beneficial to our startups. Um, and then also at the at the uh, carousel on the first day, we offer demo spots to our semifinalists and finalists. So that really gives them an opportunity, even though they're not maybe on a panel or an exhibitor, that gives them that opportunity to have their product in front of these C-level execs who are in the room or these investors who are in the room um, or, you know, the majors who are in the room that, you know, they want to have these conversations with. So I'm just envisioning a startup founder sitting on a carousel horse <laughs> trying to make their pitch, but like the, you know, the horse is like passing them by. It's surprisingly <laughs> fast as well. I think if we can get some seed capital, it will allow us to be more productive. <laughs> I'll, I'll give you more when I come back around. Um, that's, that's so, so cool. It's fun. The, it's definitely fun. Yeah. Um, the, Another reason why I wanted to have you on, Shaylee, is because most of the folks listening to this program, I think, want to learn more about the tech side of the industry. These are mm -hmm. creative professionals that see technology happening around them. They see blockchain. They see NFTs. They see the metaverse. They see AI. And they want to learn more about it. And, you know, they're trying to consume shows like this one, uh, the programs like the ones you do and are trying to catch up. Uh, do you have any advice for the creators out there on how they can get more informed on the tech side of the industry? Yeah, so one of my biggest recommendations as far as getting involved is or getting just uh, knowledge, more knowledgeable about the industry is subscribing to um, like newsletters or round, like news roundups. One of my favorites is Your Morning Coffee. Um, and every Friday, religiously, Jay Gilbert has that news scanner in my inbox. Um, that's just really beneficial. I use LinkedIn. That's a like primary resource for me. I get so much news on LinkedIn, but also you have to connect with the right people to get those, um, to get that good information on there. Um, definitely, like you mentioned, podcasts like these. Music Tectonics has a podcast as well. Um, but also just getting out there and going to events. I know sometimes that um, the access isn't quite there for going to IRL events, but there's definitely the opportunity to, like I mentioned, we have online events once a month that are free. And I know a lot of other organizations do things like that. There's Measure of Music. That is a really data heavy conference that's virtual. Um, it took place, I think, in April. Um, March maybe, but um, just conferences. Conferences um, are where I have gotten the majority, I feel like, of my confidence and knowledge in the industry. It's just that I always leave events feeling so inspired. I leave having so many more connections and different ideas than I've had before. Um, so that's really, that's, I guess, my number one piece of advice is just get out there as much as you can. Well, Katie, I got to say that what I like about from what from what Shaylee's telling us, like this conference is sort of a great way for a lot of creators to dip their toe in. Like, because you 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 talk Shaylee talked about going to conferences. This seems like a nice starter conference because you know the cost isn't that much. You're not going to some like convention center far far away. It's in accessible locations. Like again, the Santa Monica Pier, like one of the coolest places ever. Mm -hmm. You know, you've you've made it accessible. You have the online options to allow people to consume some of the conference that way. I mean, that's that's exciting for me in terms of a conference that is tech focused, but also accessible. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and tech I think can be really intimidating for people. A hard trap, especially when it's like NFT, like all a bunch that of stuff. tech bros, crypto bros. Like, yeah, and it's absolutely. like you if you don't get in this right now, then you're losing a million dollars. And it's like to be able to number one go somewhere where they're going to teach you what's going on and also be able to have, it sounds like you guys have a lot of just like perspective of like, okay, we're not necessarily going to preach all of this trendy stuff at you just because it's trendy right now, but we're going to like take, but you're still going to have the opportunity to learn about it, whether it's the NFTs, whether it's AI, I love how you incorporate it, but it's again, approachable for people who mm. might not want to spend hours and hours researching it or feel really intimidated. And it's also not like, you know, you scroll on TikTok and it's like, if you don't do this right now, you're going to like uh -huh. implode. Because <laughs> I feel like that stuff is just not the vibe. <laughs> for sure. Well, you can find out more about the conference by going to musictectonics.com. The conference is going to run from October 24th to 26th in Santa Monica, but early bird tickets are on sale now. 
Uh, before we get to our final question, Shaylee, is there uh, any other details about the conference that you think are worth sharing? Just buy your batches before the price raises May 19th. Got it. Now, before we let you go, one last question for you. Do you have any last tips for the indie creators out there to help them move their careers forward? I, my biggest piece of advice is take advantage of all the new technology out there. Something we say in the office a lot is try the product or test, like take a sample, test the sample. Um, and so I have literally blocked time on my calendar each week to just try new, like whether it's a new creator tool or an AI lyric generator tool or something like that. There is so many free tools out there. There's so many free apps out there or web-based browser out there that can help you create and can help you spark ideas and just do things that were literally never possible before. Like things are made so much easier and the opportunities uh, are so much more vast in my opinion nowadays. I would just say take advantage of all the technology that you literally have at your fingertips. Excellent advice. Shaylee, this has been a absolute treat. Please don't be a stranger. We'd love to have you on again real soon. Great. I would love to stay connected. Thank you so much. Very cool. That is Shaylee Ankenbrook, everybody, from the Music Tectonics Conference. Again, you can go to musictectonics.com to get your early bird tickets. And just, to, I'm telling you, you will love the Santa Monica Pier. It is just, just absolute magic. The carousel, the Ferris wheel, the carnival games, the sunset over the beach. Just, oh, just magical, magical. Um. We will also mention that our guest next week, venue booker James Ross, is going to join us. I love talking to the venue bookers, Katie. They always have, you know, they, I, I always love asking them the final question because they all, like, no matter how many venue bookers we've talked to, they always have some <laughs> great nugget about yeah. how to get that gig. And um, if you go back and listen to any of the venue bookers we had on the venue booker from Brooklyn Bowl a, a few months ago, he was outstanding, gave us some great nuggets, and I'm sure James, uh, Ross James will as well. Really, really awesome stuff there. Now, with the time we have left, Katie, I have here in my notes that you just have some thoughts about Taylor Swift and her Eras Tour. And as anybody who is loyal to this program knows, we stop everything to talk about uh, one Taylor Swift. So uh, what is going on with that? The floor is yours. Well, uh, I just this weekend I tried to get tickets and it was a very sad story for me. And I can tell it if we have time. That's really all there is. But I'm going to. I'm going to try again. Is, can you um, can you give us three minutes and 30 seconds of sad? Yep, here it is. <laughs> Friday, it's Cinco de Mayo. I say, we're going to go to a Mexican restaurant. We're going to bring the dogs, all my friends. Hour and a half wait. Fine. We get takeout. We go to the roof of my building. Turns out you can hear Taylor Swift from the roof of my building. We hear, we hear her openers. And my friends and I, well, particularly one friend, we were thinking about getting last minute tickets. So we start to check the tickets and we're watching, we're watching, we're watching. Now the week of tickets were still a thousand dollars. The day of even the morning of they were like $800 slowly going down 400, 500. But the moment Taylor went on, basically tickets dropped to $200 and we were cozy on the roof and we didn't move. And we just said, we're going to try to go Sunday. Well, Sunday rolls around. Also, I just want to say, I understand that $200 is not necessarily cheap for a ticket, but, you know, for, Tay -Tay. for Taylor Swift, like for this, it, you know, this was the best we we're going to get. <laughs> so, uh, and she had been burned in the whole Ticketmaster thing. She was not able to get tickets. I actually didn't even try. So that's on me. But Sunday rolls around and she is rain delayed. I shouldn't even say rain. It was really lightning delayed because she would have gone on in the rain, but there was lightning for four hours. Oh. So I'm watching the tickets. I'm watching the tickets. They're still like $400 for nosebleed seats. She finally goes on at 1030. Now at this point I had said it's over for me and it was over for me. And uh, the ticket resale sites all shut down. Apparently one stayed open and it dropped $200 right when she went on. But at that point it was 1030. She played until 1:30 in the morning in the pouring rain. And I had the most regret that I didn't just get my ass up, pardon my language, and go 
on Friday when the tickets dropped and I oh. was watching it. And so if I have any advice, because I, like I said, I didn't try to get tickets when they came out, but I started to see clips of her tour on TikTok, and I just said, I have to go to this. And uh, I should have taken the opportunity when I had it, and I didn't, and that is my biggest regret. And I hope that anyone who has the same thing, tickets will drop right when she goes on. So if you can be near the stadium and buy it, like as soon as she goes on, that'll be cheap. Apparently, Ticketmaster is also doing drops throughout the week. So I am going to be in New York while she's in New York. I'm going to try to see if I can finesse it. But that is truly my biggest regret of the week. That is a, I mean, I didn't know that that was the play with Taylor Swift tickets is just be near the stadium and wait until she gets through like the first couple eras and then get some super last minute tickets and you can get a good deal. And by which a good deal, I still mean like, you know, a couple hundred dollars, but again, yeah. for by the standards of this particular event, yeah, it's a, it's the best you're going to get. Yeah. Um, that's God, what an amazing what an amazing concert. Like this, this concert series is, this tour is going to turn her into a billionaire. Oh yeah. And I've the fact that she can sell out, show. you know, that she sells out all of these extraordinarily large venues, 50 some odd throughout the country, you know, as quickly as she did. That's, that's really, really great. Speaking of yeah. things that aren't really great, the heat and the <laughs> Panthers have lost. I just found out from producer Lauren. So, so uh, no, so I'm ending to this podcast. So, <laughs> I always close the show by thanking everyone. I'm going to thank uh, Katie Zaccardi. I'm going to, um, of course, thank Elizabeth Nelson and Shaylee Onkenbrook. I'm not going to thank producer Lauren. No, that's not fair. <laughs> I, I have to thank producer Lauren this week because she totally bailed my butt out when my mic failed and she stepped in and helped out with the Elizabeth Nelson interview. That was that was really something terrific. She gets the cartoon party horn. Thanks to all of you viewers and listeners as well for checking out Break the Business. We'll see you next week.